Hello everybody and welcome back to the Toy Photographers Podcast, the official podcast of ToyPhotographers.com. My name is James Garcia and this week we're doing things a little bit differently. I had an interview lined up that fell through so I turned to the awesome editorial team over at Toy Photographers and Alan Rappa graciously volunteered to come back on the show and talk to me about a few different topics. So Alan, I'm so glad to have you back and I'm excited to talk to you. How are you doing today? Thanks, James. I'm doing great. It's uh, great to be back on, even though that that intro made me feel like uh, the definitely got the B list going today. It's like, <laughs> yeah, the person I wanted to talk to couldn't make it. So oh, no, no, no. I got out. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to chat with you again. Um, I've been doing doing great. I just came back from vacation, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit. And I'm, I'm so excited to have someone to talk to about. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, if anybody has been watching your Instagram feed, they know where you've been and how excited I am going to be to talk to you about it and how jealous I'm going to be of everything you probably have to say. Uh, (laughs) But before we get into all that stuff, um, I know, I know you've been traveling a lot, but how's your photography been? What have you been up to lately? Okay. Wow. That's, that's a great question. How's my photography been? Um, and I, I think, uh, we'll get into this as we talk about, uh, you know, the vacation and traveling and some other topics that I, I want to discuss with you. But I don't know. I, I honestly, I, I feel like I've been a little stagnant with my photography lately, and I'm trying to find some new ways to challenge myself. And being on vacation was one thing that was really great for me because I was shooting outdoors, something I rarely, rarely ever do. Mm-hmm. Something I think you and I had talked about before. Yeah, definitely. And, and I loved it. Um, you know, it, I was shooting at an uh, insane time of the day. Um, again, we'll, we'll get into that in a second, but just catching the sun coming up and the, the warmth of natural sunlight was, um, it was really inspiring to me. And it's something that I want to try to do more of now mm-hmm. though. Of course, where I live here in New Jersey, it's starting to get much colder outside. So I don't know if it's the most opportune time to do that, <laughs> but maybe, you know, maybe when the, uh, now it's the falls here, there'd be uh, more opportunities to get out and start bringing my tours toys into the real world. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. This summer I shot out outdoors for the first time in a long time too. It was a uh, like Memorial day weekend, I think. And uh, my father-in-law rented some uh, house up by the Puget Sound up here for my uh, wife and her family and, and us to all kind of hang out for the weekend. And it was right on the water, so it was really cool. So I, I really wanted to get a lot of outdoor photography done. I didn't get as much done as I <laughs> wanted to, obviously. Uh, traveling kind of does that to you. But it mm-hmm. was really fun being outside and, and being kind of out of my comfort zone because I am now so used to my studio and having everything you know, under my control with the lights and colors and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it is a, it is kind of a jarring transition when you jump from one to the other. Yeah, I, I agree 100% because like you, I, I spend my time yeah, in my, you know, I'm using air quotes here, my, my studio in the basement of my house, <laughs> but it's where I control 100% of the light. I control all the ambient light. I have nothing but artificial light from, um, from my flashes, from flashlights, anything I have around. So, you know, being outdoors was the complete opposite for me. I had I had some um, a loom cube on me to use for fill flash here and there and a reflector. And it was really like, OK, well, there's too many shadows here. I got to move over there. So it was it was a fun challenge. And it, it's um, again, getting out of your comfort zone is a great way to revitalize your um, uh, your creativity and get inspired to really challenge yourself with photography. So again, feeling stagnant in the basement, but getting outdoors was just the shot in the arm I needed. Yeah. yeah it's amazing what fresh air will do for you, right? Fresh <laughs> yeah, air and sun. Exactly. Sunshine. That's perfect. 
so true. Yeah. You mentioned the Loom Cube, and um, you just did a review for the, the new Loom Cube, and I'm really curious to hear your thoughts about it and talk to you about it a little bit, because I'm a huge fan of the first Loom Cube. Uh, we did a couple episodes of the podcast about it last year, and um, I did a review for it myself a while ago, and, and I use my I have two Loom Cubes I use all the time for it, pretty much every single one of my photos. But I think this was the first time you were using one. Is, is that correct? That is correct. And it's funny when you say that you have two of them, because I feel like the only complaint I have about the Loom Cube is once you get one, you're going to want a second and a third. Right. Because, yeah, yeah. I hate not having like three or four. <laughs> yeah. And that was that. no joke. That's exactly what I thought I was using this. It's like I now want to replace all of my lights with these. And uh, yeah, Loom Cube was was super nice. They reached out to us um, on the blog and asked if we would do some reviews. Gibbo did a, an awesome video review of of using one. And I took one, mine arrived at a perfect time, uh, right when I was packing for the trip. So it saved me from packing one of my flashes, you know, again, talking about shooting outdoors, I was still planning on bringing a flash, <laughs> but what I, I didn't, I knew nothing about loom cubes. I only admired them from afar, but the fact that I, you can use it as a constant light as well as a flash was just amazing. And with the optical trigger in it, where you can trigger it with, um, uh, the flash on your camera, or you can even just kind of um, hack it to just cover the trigger with your finger and get it to fire when you want. That that was a huge, huge thing for me, and it's it saved so much room in my camera bag by you know just packing the Loom Cube. Of course, I filled that space up with extra toys, but we'll get into oh, that course. later. <laughs> of course, but yeah, I I'm I'm super impressed. Um, the accessory kit is just a, a breath of fresh air. You know, I. I always encouraged everyone, and I still do, like, you know, use what you have around the house. You know, I start, when I started experimenting with lighting, I used flashlights, I used the light on my phone, I used anything I could find, and then I kind of hacked together some gels using just rubber band and tape, and uh, I think it's a great way to learn how to work with light to yeah. do all that, mm -hmm. but the Loom Cube system with the, the attachment frame and the magnetic attachments unbelievably <laughs> so much easier to use and just i i laugh you know when i use it I, I was working on something earlier today and i i attached the snoot and it's just like oh wait i want to put a colored gel on there oh take the snoot off just pop in the gel pop the snoot back on it's just such an incredibly well thought out system and so great to use and uh, when I look at it, when especially when I have the barn door attachment on, I'm like, this is professional yeah. studio lighting for toys. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, just, it's unreal. I, I know they when when you had them on the on the podcast, they were talking about, it, and the toy community kind of took them by surprise. Yeah. But it it's no wonder that the toy community has embraced their lights because they are they are made perfectly for shooting on a small scale. And it's just, it's such a great lighting system that, yeah, I know now I, I've got to just, I need more. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it really spoils you as a photographer. Cause now I have, like I said, two of them and that's just not enough. And so I still have my two, I've got like big umbrella studio lights from my left holdovers from my video days. And, and mm. I'll use those for, for ambient light sometimes or to, to backlight something or whatever, if I can't get a loom cube around where I want to, or if I'm using the two that I already have. And every time I have to use one of those, I just get so frustrated because they're just not as, they're not as handy. Like they're, they are cumbersome. They're, you have to have them plugged in. You have to have them on these big light stands. Yep. You can't, like you said, just, uh, 
take on and off uh, diffusers or, or color gels or anything like that. It's every single time I use a different kind of light, I just get so frustrated because <laughs> of the limitations. Yep, they to- they've totally ruined us. Yeah. And another um, crazy thing, and I'm t- I swear I'm not a shrill or I'm not you know I I act I am so honest with all of this. I just I love them so much. But being able to use the Lumex app. Um, you know, so you can position your lights in your scene and then you can control their intensity from the app. I cannot count the times where if I had to reach into my scene with my flashlight and then you knock something over, yeah. or, you know, especially with Lego, you break a set and you have to spend now 20 minutes rebuilding it, finding all the pieces that scattered on the floor. It's just, I, I feel so much different shooting with the loom cube when, okay, I, I stay behind my camera. I'm going to bump this up a little bit. You know, I just use the app. It's, it's, it's such an amazing system. And again, I get it. You know, there's a sticker shock when people look at them and that's what kept me on the fence for so long. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, now when I look at them, you know, it's kind of that buy once buy right mentality that, you know, comes to a lot of things in photography that if you do invest in the system and you invest in the accessory kit, it's going to serve you well. And, uh, you, you know, you'll, it'll just, It'll open up new possibilities for you when it comes to shooting. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I was, I was going to say the same thing, that they are absolutely an investment um, in mm. your kit. And and I just I'm so surprised that that they had no idea how useful this would be for toy photographers, because like you said, it's just it's like it was designed for us. So yeah, I, I don't know if it's that they didn't think it would be useful for toy photographers. I think we're such a niche photography that people just don't know we exist. Right. Or yeah. possibly not. I don't know. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping maybe Black Friday they have some sales because I would love to scoop up another one. Yeah, another absolutely. one. Yep. Yeah, I definitely recommend people join their email list because um, I'm on that and they send promos out sometimes and, and giveaways and stuff like that. So it's a great way if you want a Loom Cube, but you're waiting for the right opportunity, you know, just sign up for their email list and, and that'll help you, um, you know, keep track of that stuff. And, and like Alan said, we're not uh, shills for Loom Cube or anything. They're not <laughs> paying us to say this stuff. Yep. Um, we're just really big fans and definitely recommend anybody check them out if you're interested or frustrated with your own lights or, or want to learn more about lighting. I yep. really use my Loom Cubes to to teach me a lot about how to use light. I wasn't very good at that stuff before I had one, actually. So so they're they're really good if you're a novice as well. Agreed. And again, just full disclosure, they did send me the Loom Cube 2.0. I want to make sure that's that's clear. But there was no, there was nothing about oh, we have to sing its praises or do anything. I'm just I'm glad that or it. I'm able to talk so highly of it because I would feel really, really bad if it sucked. <laughs> we would have to say that this is garbage, don't invest. So That's always the worst when you've got a review and you're just like, I just don't like this very much. And how do I – you're always kind of trying to walk that line of being as positive as you can be because you mm-hmm. kind of feel obligated at the same – you know. But, uh, but yeah, I'm glad that with them and, and it's the case with Lego and everybody that we do reviews for where there's no expectation about what our opinion is going to be. They all want our honest opinions. So – so that that's something we definitely pride ourselves on in the blog. Indeed. Yeah, and uh, def- people should definitely check out uh, Gibbo's video review too, because yeah, that that thing was awesome. It was it was a cool like week of lighting over at the Toy Photographer's blog. Yeah, and I think it was a great perspective because Gibbo has experience like you do with the Loom Cube, so he really was able to show how you can use it at an advanced level. Where I was just like, okay, let me see what this thing is capable of. Yeah. But again, for for travel now. I will always have a Loom Cube in my bag. Even when I take out a day bag, it's so small. It's so easy to just throw in your, your backpack or mm-hmm. you know your camera bag and just have with you in case you just need some some extra lighting. Um, yeah, again, like one of the th- – th- I, I don't 
we could switch to something else too. But one, another thing I was super impressed with how a, a, such a small light source that diffuser yeah. on toys. It, it's amazing mm-hmm. because you know you're not getting the the hot spots that you would with something like the the flashlights, the cheapo flashlights that are not meant for toy photography or the reflections or anything. It works so well. And a lot of the shots I used it when I was traveling, I was I was holding it mere inches away from a, a Lego minifigure. And um, yeah, it just worked out tremendously. Yeah, and like you said earlier, just the the ease of use too with the filter and how you can just snap it on and snap it off. I've got a, a like a uh, it's like probably like a foot in diameter or half a foot in diameter or something of a, a another diffuser that I always have to kind of handhold and or try to like put a clamp on and put it in front of my light <laughs> and it's just always yep. kind of frustrating to work with something like that. So having something just snaps right onto the the front of the light um, and does such a great job is is a really awesome tool. Yeah, it's so funny because you know when I got the modification kit, I was thinking, all right, well maybe I need to order. Um, another pack of the gels because the, the the hacker in me was still thinking, well, I want to be able to create my own. I want to build my own stuff. And, and so maybe I could just, you know, dismantle one of those and use it. And But I, that as soon as I got my hands on the kit, that need just completely went away because mm-hmm. they've, they've got everything covered. Um, to the point where I, I I made a note, something I want to get to is, is going through the accessory kit and explaining all the different uh, items like the honeycombs, the snoot, uh, the gels, how to use them, what they do, just to give every others who may be still sitting on the fence an idea of, of what uh, possibilities these will open up for their photography. Yeah, yeah, and that would be helpful, you know, not just for loom cubes, but, you know, you can use color gels and, and honeycombs and diffusers and all that stuff with uh, other lights as well. So, so yeah, that yeah, would be absolutely. awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love your uh, your tip and trick uh, blog posts. They're always so informative, and it's the kind of like behind the scenes stuff I always like really envision wanting to write, but I just never have the time to do like as in depth as you do. So every time you post one of those, I'm so thankful that, that somebody's oh. doing that out there and, and doing a good job. Yeah, it's my pleasure, and I really like I love sharing that, and I you know your feedback is so much appreciated because I I hope people read them, I hope people you know get inspired to try try them, or maybe it inspires them to to use the ideas in a different way because you know again the, one of the things that really brought me into toy photography was that experimentation. You know, you and I talked about this again in the past where it was. Um, the force awakens and the return to um, practical effects. And yeah. then just, you know, that said, well, I want to try to do, how can I, how can I do this all in camera without Photoshop? And uh, that's where a lot of these ideas, uh, you know, that kind of the genesis of um, doing all the wacky stuff with, um, you know, taping the gels to the, my lens and, and whatnot. Yeah. It all came from there. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things about toy photography is that experimentation and that, you're working on such a small scale that you can find almost anything that'll work for what you want as long as you just are clever enough or or find the right piece of something you know that's that's something i love about toy photography is just how versatile it is and how if you if you're a person like us and you like doing that kind of stuff you can really go wild and experiment with with all different kinds of materials and stuff yeah absolutely yeah yeah and uh Speaking of special effects, I know you and Dave just did a challenge on the blog where you guys each, uh, you did practical stuff and Dave did uh, Photoshop stuff. And, and I thought that was a really interesting challenge that you guys did too. So people should definitely go check that out on the blog if they haven't read it already. Yeah, I thought that was a great idea from Dave uh, just to kind of, you know, it's two sides of a coin. You know, we both set out with uh, 
a topic, you know, a very, very loose, loose topic. I think it was a wizard casting a spell or what it was. And yeah, Dave set out to create his image how he typically does using his Photoshop wizardry, where I relied more on that, the practical magic. And it was, it was a lot of fun to do that alongside another uh, fellow photographer mm-hmm. and a uh, you know, fellow team member, because it's just, you know, it was something different. Uh, we, we had a lot of back and forth conversation about our approach and, and what we were doing as we collaborated on the post. Um, I, I would love to see that happen a lot more, um, again, on the toyphotographers.com, as well as just out in the community, just find someone, partner up and, and kind of uh, tackle something together and you know you, you both leverage your your strengths and and see what you come up with. It'd be even more fun now if Dave and I did it again, where I challenged him to use practical effects yeah. and I had to use Photoshop because <laughs> I am the worst at Photoshop. Um, <laughs> we'll have to do that for like an April Fool's Day post and see oh, yeah, what comes go. out or something. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a um, I was glad he he brought the idea to the table. It was really fun to collaborate with him on that. And again, I was just like. He his approach to it too was so amazing because in my head, I I pictured something so outlandish and so obviously fake and photoshopped. But what he did, if I didn't know that he photoshopped that, I would have been like totally spellbound. Like, how did you pull this off? How mm-hmm. did you like this? You know, um, everything just looks so so seamless and well done. Uh, and I think to me, you know, everyone has their own preference. But when I see a shot like that. Whether I know it's photoshopped or not, that's just that's just so much. It's awe-inspiring. Like, how did you you pull this off? It's such creativity, such artistry, in addition to the technical skill from the photography side. So, kudos to Dave. It was a friendly challenge. There were no winners, but if I had to pick <laughs> one, I would certainly tip my my hat to to Dave for his work on that one. <laughs> yeah, I bet that was a really fun thing to do. And, and I definitely second your opinion on uh, collaborating. That's something I love about doing those theme episodes with Christina every month is just picking a, a theme together and going off and doing our own thing. And we don't actually talk to each other at all throughout the month about what we're going to do or, or what we're kind of working through until the day we're recording, we send each other the image in the morning. And, and it's always fun to see, to just see what the other person came up with because all month long you're thinking, okay, what, is she, <laughs> what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Am I going to end up doing something similar? And it's and it's always so different. So it's always so fun to see uh, what people come up with, and and I love involving the community in that as well. And uh, definitely, I, I highly suggest people do more collaborations because they they are a ton of fun and another way to kind of boost your creativity if you need, or or to kind of get yourself out of a rut to to work alongside somebody else and to give yourself a prompt like that can be super helpful. Absolutely. It's a great idea. It's something we should try. We should really find a way that we can kind of encourage that throughout the the toy toy photography community. Let's go back to your travels and traveling with toys. Um, Traveling with toys is something we talk about a lot on the blog, uh, partly because we do so many meetups throughout the year all across the world because we, as we just said, love collaborating with other photographers and think meetups and, and Toy safaris are just such a great exercise and just such a fun thing to do. But also just, you know, traveling on vacation, as you just did. Um, Traveling Mm -hmm. with toys can be a really challenging, fun, frustrating (laughs) experience, (laughs) depending on how you are as a a person, as a photographer, as a packer, um, as you'll find out. And as I've said before on on the podcast, I always pack way too much stuff and I always kind of pay for it. So so I'm interested to kind of hear your 
your overall thoughts with traveling with toys before this vacation and then and how it went this time sure well let me just say james that i am a recovering uh toy overpacker like i (laughs) i empathize with you so much because i would do that you know the the night before a trip i would say well i'm gonna bring this maybe i'll use this or i want this and i've even one trip had a a small pelican case that i i cut a lego base plate to fit in the case so i could like stand Lego minifigures in there. I must have brought like 30 or 40 Lego minifigures in this case. And it was a real eye opener though for me on that trip because I shot maybe two or three of the minifigures. Yep. That's so, always my experience too. <laughs> yep. You know, you kind of like, oh, I, I could do this or, you know, I want this, I want that. Um, and I, on this last vacation, I really tried to counter that. I sat down, I had laid all my toys out. Keep in mind, when I'm doing this, I have not packed socks, underwear, shirts, anything else. You know, yeah, I'm, toys I'm are focused, always the first thing. Yeah. <laughs> focus purely on my camera gear and my toys. But I laid everything out and I, I, I really I kind of did this, you know, this um, gut check when I looked at this toy. What am I going to do with this? Where am I going to shoot it? How am I going to shoot it? And if I didn't have anything in mind, I set it aside. It didn't make it into the bag. So I, I you know, picked the toy up and I said, okay, I'm going to shoot this here. Or this is kind of what I want to do. And I put it in the bag. And I really, I went through that like a couple iterations of that because I found my, my first round through, I was still overpacking. So I, I took everything back out and I, I did it again and again until I got down to what I thought was a realistic and manageable amount of toys. Uh, you know, again, it was, I'm not perfect. <laughs> you know, I, when I was done, I did I did fill in any gaps in my camera bag uh, that I could with just uh, an extra oh this and that. Okay, but I, just in case, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just in case. Um, for this trip, what I did, I and it, I was keeping a shot list. Uh, you know, what do I want to shoot? Where am I going to shoot? And then what toys am I going to use for that? And that's how I I I did fairly well, and I would say I probably shot about maybe sixty percent of the toys that I brought. So I, I, there's still some some improvements needed, but I felt much better about it. And having the shot list really kind of kept my head clear, and I knew which toys I needed to bring out for each day. Um, some of the toys I I wanted to get shots of, I just didn't have the opportunity, and others were ones that I just threw in there, thinking maybe I would use them, and they they should have stayed at home. There was just no need for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have had the exact same experience as you, and I love your your gut test about whether something it, it kind of makes me think of Marie Kondo and uh you know does this spark joy like does this spark creativity <laughs> for me you know exactly. it's, it's just um it, it's a great way of putting it because I am the same way where I before a trip I'll you know look over all my minifigs and all my action figures and I just immediately am like thinking of the locations I'm going to be near and say okay I'm going to be at the beach let's just grab any minifigure that could yep. fit, fit at the beach and accessory surfboards bathing suits right. what do we got rubber duckies I'm bringing it all yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and then once you're there it's just for me it's that I just never have as much time as I would want to on a vacation or I think I'm going to have for toys and then also I'm really at odds with my own creative process at that point because I'm not somebody, I definitely keep a list of ideas and stuff like that as I go, but a lot of the stuff I'm shooting is just me looking at my stuff and thinking, okay, what, what sparks creativity for me today? Like what, what in my general vicinity kind of 
sparks a, an idea for me to shoot. And so kind of trying to plan that ahead of time for a vacation and then being completely out of my element at that vacation really just kind of stresses me out more because I feel <laughs> I feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing by not shooting any of the toys. Where really, if I were to limit myself and only bring a few things, that would help my creative process a little bit more because then I would be forced to just think creatively about these one or two things instead of the endless possibilities of whatever's in my bag. Yeah, I, I, you know, I agree 100%. And it's the same thought process, too, when it comes to packing your gear. You know, uh, back in the, the old days, prior to being a toy photographer, and I was just thinking about, okay, well, what, what do I need? I need a wide angle. I need a zoom. I need this. And instead of just paring it down and using the, the kit that you have, you know, using the lens you have. So, it, you know, you can apply that same type of thinking to the toys. Well, I, I brought one Stormtrooper. And now I'm going to shoot this stormtrooper everywhere because that's what I have. I'm going to use the gear I have. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to use the toys I have rather than I'm going to bring everything and then on the fly try to figure out what it is that I, I'm I'm going to shoot and where I'm going to shoot and how I'm going to shoot it. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things. Traveling is already stressful, so just don't add more stress to yourself uh, by, by packing too much stuff. And, my uh, dude, <laughs> I, I travel with. I I got to mention too. I, I also travel with two children. Mm. You know, a seven year old and a two year old. So, <laughs> so toys and photography gear are are the 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 you know the less stress or the the least stress on that list. Yeah, exactly. I I I can only imagine. Um, yeah, and uh, where did you travel to this time? Let's get into that because uh, I'm excited to talk to you about it and to hear you've done a little bit of toy photography with it, which is something I've wanted to see from people going to this awesome place. So, so let's uh, jump into it. Uh, I am I'm so psyched for doing this, James, because I, you know, again, we just came home not too long ago, and I I still have all of this like, you know, still gigging out from um, from where we went and what we experienced. Um, but uh, let me let me start at the beginning. So my son turned seven uh, last week, and we had planned a surprise trip for him to Walt Disney World. So you know, we we took him out of school for a few days, and the, the whole family and my mother-in-law we all went for um, you know to, to celebrate at Disney World. Now, I'm for those who may not know. Disney recently opened Star Wars themes lands in both the Disneyland Park in California and Walt Disney World in Florida. Uh, they've been calling this land Galaxy's Edge, and it it's it really it's kind of it exists in this star this new Star Wars expanded universe where it takes travelers to the planet of Batu, where which was once um, once kind of like a, a a bustling destination for travelers and traders of the galaxy, but now it's a little more run down and secluded and only really frequented by smugglers and, and rogues brave enough to, to travel this far into the outer rim. So that's kind of, that's the, the backstory of, um, of these lands. Uh, and again, to, to really make matters worse. Now the first order has arrived on Batu and their pursuit of, the the resistance so yeah so this land the star wars land is now open at walt disney world we were going i was going there with my family but there was a caveat um no one in my family really cares about star wars <laughs> so i didn't want to plan a you know a, a day just to visit um galaxy's edge for you know 
for myself and drag along, you know, my, my, my kids, my wife and my mother-in-law who really would be totally indifferent to it. But <laughs> yeah, it's, thank- <laughs> it's something that kind of spoils the experience for you and then makes you feel bad about dragging them along and totally, totally. forcing them to do something. Yeah. Yes. So when we planned the trip, I just, you know, I just came to the realization that, Hey, I know we're going to be in Walt Disney World. I know Galaxy Edge is there. I just it'll have to be some other time when I get to visit it. Well, uh, Disney, in a way to kind of mitigate the the crowds, they created what they were calling these extra extra magic hours. Mm-hmm. What that means is, if you are staying at a Disney resort, which we were, they will you're allowed to get into the park earlier than the park's opening. Mm-hmm. And for Galaxy's Edge, they did it at an insane 6 a.m. Oh, wow. Yeah, so the park was going to open at 6 a.m. Uh, my family doesn't, you know, get out of bed until usually like 8 in the morning. So I knew that I had at least two hours, you know, in the morning that I could go and explore uh, Batu and Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> So, damn it, I got up at 5.30 in the morning, I grabbed my, <laughs> my camera and my, my toys, and I was out the door, and I was at the park before they, they opened the gates. Nice. Yeah, so, um, and it, it, was, it was worth every, every bit of it. I mean, it's, as for, a, for Star Wars fans, this is the closest we're going to get to really walking in that universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Disney did just an incredible incredible job to make it an immersive experience from the you know you, you do have to walk through the the rest of the theme park and then you go through this little tunnel and then you come out and the, the first thing you notice oh hey there's an a-wing on my right there's what looks like um one of the rebel turrets from hoff kind of on the left there's an x-wing and oh there's chewbacca just hanging out working on the x-wing <laughs> there's a bunch of gonk droids like it was just if if you're a Star Wars fan, you're you're definitely going to lose your mind when you set foot into this um, into this land. Uh, and you you know what I did? When I first got there. I just trying to soak it all in. Again, it was very very early morning, so the the sun wasn't out yet. And just the way the lights lit the streets, and just walking through the the shops and the the market, and then coming to what they call the the Black Spire Outpost, which is kind of like this Moss Eisley area, and then seeing the Millennium Falcon full size, just parked right there. It was, it was <laughs> phenomenal. It was, it was so insane. Um, I, I have a, a photo, you know, there's Disney photographers around that'll take your, your family's photos. And, you know, I'll post this one in an upcoming story about my, my trip on the blog, but it's like, I have the biggest, dumbest grin on my face <laughs> and it was, it was 100% authentic. <laughs> See, and I have a big dumb grin on my face and I didn't even go. I'm just listening to you react to going. And, and it's funny. I talked to uh, stormtrooper Pete a few weeks ago cause he went to galaxy's edge as well. And, and he sounded just as excited as you are, you know, and had all the same things to say about just how immersive it is and how detailed and just how amazing it is. And I just, I, I'm counting down the days until I'll, I'll be able to go someday. I've I haven't been to a Disney World or Disneyland park since I was like two or three years old, so it's 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 time for me to, to go back and, and experience this. I think. I, yeah, I I agree, but I you know I would wait a little bit because there there's still more um, to come to Galaxy's Edge. They're opening a new attraction I think in December of this year called Rise of the Resistance, which is supposed to be this uh, just a, a 
an attraction like they've never done before with, you know, they've been showing photos of it. There's there's at at walkers. There's like um, an entire battalion of stormtroopers. So it looks it looks really, really exciting. So now I just know I have to go back and experience that when it does open. Yeah, and I'm really curious how they're going to or if they're going to expand this as they go forward and do, you know, add on other rides like they're doing with this Rise of the Resistance thing or, you know, make a different Star Wars lands and, and on different planets or, or something like that. I just this has been the feedback I've heard about it anyway and seen about it has been so positive that I can only imagine that they have other ideas that they would love to pursue someday. And I'm very curious if we're ever going to see Batu in a movie now that it's actually at Disney World, I'd love to see if it's actually in like Rise of Skywalker later this year, just as a way to, to tie everything together and show that it's all one cohesive universe. I think that would be a really fun thing to do. Too. Yeah, that would be an awesome nod. I, kn- I know there's some novels and some comics, which I'm eager to check out, mm-hmm. uh, where they, they, they talk about the planet and its history. But yeah, if they give it just like a subtle nod and just mention it in the, the movie, that would be really, really cool. Yeah, it would. And I definitely recommend people, if they are Star Wars, fans and they haven't read the comics or, or the new novels I've read a bunch of them and they're all awesome and they're just so fun to see these little side stories tucked into different corners of the universe and different characters on these planets that we know and stuff it's they've been doing such a good job over there of expanding the the whole universe of Star Wars beyond you know the Skywalkers and what's going on with them and and that's something I'm excited to see in after this year after rise of skywalker is done like where do we go next and and how do they keep expanding this because it's just endless possibilities and it's so fun as a as a geek and somebody who loves all this stuff to just be at this golden time for for this franchise i'm i'm really excited yep and i'm right there with you you know i i may be critical of star wars but it's only because i hold it so dear to my heart i i I grew up with it you know it's the fourth and it's the force it's characters it's mythos everything is so much a part of like who i am today that uh you know it's i i have to sometimes stop myself and and not be so critical and and not lash out when i don't love everything 100 percent. i mean there's so much in this universe to enjoy and uh, I, I need to just go back to being a fan and kind of lapping it all up and being, you know, just enjoying what I like and and not being not being mindful or not paying attention to what I don't like. I know what you mean. It, it can be difficult to to do that, like you said, because you care about something so much and you want to see certain things or or you have certain expectations. It can be hard to juggle those things. Um, I and you've been doing. I saw a little bit of toy photography that you were able to do at Galaxy's Edge. Was that really difficult, just because of people around and stuff like that? <laughs> you know, it, it it's funny. Like I yeah so. So I get to the park, you know, I, I park my car and I walk right to the, the gates where, you know, they usher you in and at 530 in the morning. And there was there was a lot of other people with the same idea. <laughs> I mean, there, but it once we got into the land and the, the crowd kind of um, dispersed and, you know, most people ran right to the Millennium Falcon attraction where I I the thing I wanted to do most was go to the cantina. You know, they they have a, a, a cantina themed after the one on Mos Eisley where, you know, um, Obi-Wan and Luke meet with Han Solo and Chewbacca for the first time. And all I wanted to do was get in there and sit and, and soak in that ambiance. Yeah. So that was where I went first. And I mean, it, it was it, they, it was fantastic. It's it's like there's so much detail hidden in there for Star Wars fans to just look and pick apart like, uh, you know, IG 88s kind of heads over the bar, you know, as the bar taps and stuff. (laughs) 
so yeah, so I went and sat in there while the rest of the crowd made it over to Millennium Falcon. I had my breakfast, and one of the first shots I wanted to take was in that cantina. Um, I brought the the Moss Eisley part of the Moss Eisley Lego set with me just to shoot a you know a cantina in a cantina. Oh, nice. <laughs> yep. So I had my breakfast. I shot that, and then um, once I wrapped up there, I went back outside, and the the wait time for the Millennium Falcon was uh, you know when I. When I first got there, I think it was an hour. I had breakfast. I came out. It was only 35 minutes. So it was nice. Yeah, it seems yeah, like you were the smart one in that scenario to, to <laughs> kind of go your own way for a little bit and let the, the crowd disperse. Yeah, I don't know if it was smart, but on my mind was really soaking in the land. And I wanted to make sure I got the, the toy shots on my list. Like, you know, the, the few priority ones that I that I brought my gear for, I brought my toys for. I'm like, I'm not leaving without these photos. <laughs> right. And, and what you woke up super early to try to accomplish as well. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's something I've loved seeing from all of the photos and video that are coming out of the park is all of those little details and seeing the little gonk droids everywhere or the ships and and things, you know, on the walls and and hidden in corners. Like that's kind of what I'm most excited about as well when I inevitably go. I think yeah. I'll just probably just walk around and look at all of that stuff just just because I'm sure there's so much of it. And Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely take your time and soak it in because I came back and I was looking at my pictures and I'm like, oh, you know, I wish I looked in here more. You know, they again, the Batu is separated into two primary areas. There's the market and and the Black Spire app, outpost. And I didn't really spend enough time in the market to check out some some of the shops. And I think one of the shops is like the, the Todarian toy shop maker or something along those lines. I'm like, how did I not look in there? How did I not see what, what, <laughs> what, what toys were available? Um, I made such a, a beeline to the, the droid depot shop where mm. you can build your own droid, uh, just to check that place out that I, I really neglected to, to stop and smell the roses more. So I'm already itching for a return visit. Yeah, I bet. Did you end up building a droid or a lightsaber? I, I did not. I would have loved to have done that, but my time was so limited and, um, you know, both of those are, are expensive endeavors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe, maybe on the next visit, I don't know if I'd do the droid, but, um, the lightsaber building a lightsaber and I'll, I'll try to stay away from spoilers here, but it's, it's in addition to picking out your, your hilt and your blade and your colors and everything, there's a whole story and a whole experience that goes along with that, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, it's up to individuals to decide whether that experience is worth two hundred dollars. But to a, a Star Wars fan, I, you know, I, it's like it becomes like funny money at that point, <laughs> yeah. Like, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like I just want to experience this and hear it, and then have this awesome prop at the yep. end of it to to just have on my desk. You know, some people yeah. don't understand that, but but for some of us, like that is a, a really exciting prospect. You know. Yep. Let's see. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about with Galaxy's Edge or traveling before we, we move on? No, I'm I, I'm dying to talk to you again after you go there and then we can go through this conversation and I could kind of, you know, share in your excitement for it because it's a really, really cool place to visit uh, as a Star Wars fan. Um, you know, even if you're just a, uh, just a fan of, of sci-fi or even, you know, it's, there's probably a lot to be said there for toy photographers because there's it's such um, – such an impressive landscape and all the, the detail there that it made for some great uh, toy shots. You have a lot of, you know, life-size ships in the background. There's droids everywhere. So there's certainly a ton of uh, 
photography um, potential as well as toy photography potential. And then, you know, I that's why I was very, very careful to make sure I I kept to my shot list and I, I brought toys that I was I knew I was going to use. And uh, one of the things that I did differently on this trip, which um, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about as well, if we still have time, is yeah. I brought I brought more than just Lego with me on this trip. And that's something, again, kind of goes through the, the theme of our whole conversation about getting out of our comfort zone and um, and doing something different. So I, I've, you know, I'm a recovering toy addict, so I have <laughs> more than just Lego in my collection. So I dusted off some, some stormtroopers and a, a BB-8 that I had purchased, and I brought them with me to shoot throughout Galaxy's Edge because very, very fitting bringing, you know, Star Wars characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm struggling I, with those photos because I haven't shared any of them to social media because my, my Instagram account is primarily a Lego account. Uh, not primarily. I think it is just 100% a Lego, Lego toy account. I don't think I have any photos on there that are not Lego or, um, you know, uh, Lego themed. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I have this anxiety, which is totally crazy, but I have anxiety about what to do with these other toy photos. Do I, do I post them on the feed and then, you know, the few followers that I have, like, don't like them or, you know, it's, it's, it, it sounds so stupid saying this all out loud, but I'm being 100% honest here. It's just, it's stuff that kind of goes through my mind as I try to decide what to do with these photos. I, I really like them. I'm really happy with them, but. Yeah, yeah, I I completely understand. I don't think it's stupid at all because I've gone th- I went through the same thing because I primarily shot Lego uh, when I became a toy photographer for a couple of years. I didn't do any action figure stuff. I just I was still kind of learning how to be a photographer in general and didn't. I was kind of intimidated for the bigger scales and and definitely didn't want to start buying more toys than than I already was. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of went through the same thing once I actually did start shooting action figures a couple years ago. Because I thought, okay, well, what is this going to do to like the integrity of my feed? You know, like <laughs> for some reason, I always picture people looking at my my Instagram page and looking at the grid, and and I always think like, well, the photos have to somehow be cohesive, or I don't want mm-hmm. them to be too random. And then I think, how often do people even look at my work that way? How often do I look at other people's work that way? So it is kind of a funny thing. You you stress about these little things. Um, but I, I think it's all just part of how we, as artists, it's this interesting thing of like presenting ourselves, right? And, and showing ourselves and, and wanting to, to present our best work and to, to get it seen by people and have them understand what we're trying to achieve. And, and it's, I, I kind of get in my head about it sometimes, worrying like, how is, how is my Instagram feed going to look for, <laughs> for people that discover it? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And how did that go when you made that transition, when you started introducing more than just Lego into your feed? Was there any kind of backlash? Did you did you lose followers? I mean, not that that's important, but did you see any kind of negative or positive change? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good question, because um, I definitely it's one of those things where I don't know if I lost followers or anything. I don't really pay attention to that very much. But I, I did notice that when I would post an action figure shot, it just doesn't get as much reach or attention as a Lego shot did. So I really was then conflicted, like, well, do people just not like this? Am I not good at this part of photography? Have I pigeonholed myself too much? And now I need to it's hard to kind of branch out. Should I create another account as you 
it kind of kind of hints it at it's just it's i i noticed at first that there was a, a disconnect like people just weren't connecting with my work the same way they were with the lego stuff and over time i think think that has gotten better um i definitely think people still tend to like my lego work more than my other uh, toy work which is funny because over time i've kind of leaned more in the action figure direction than the lego direction just because that's more creatively exciting for me at the moment so it's been a little discouraging sometimes when you when you take a an action figure shot you love and you post it and it just doesn't doesn't get the attention or reach that you wanted it to and then like the other day i just posted a uh, it's a shot I, I like and I'm proud of, but it's just a shot of like one of the Chippendale minifigures running with a wheelbarrow full of peanuts. You know, it was just like a fun little throwaway fall photo. And I almost didn't post it or, or I I didn't post it for a while. And it's one of my most liked photos recently. And, and it's something that I didn't anticipate happening at all. But for some reason that really connected people really yeah, connected got, with that one. I, I got to stop you there. You say that was a throwaway that you didn't photo. First of all, that was an awesome shot. You <laughs> well, thank so, you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's why the, the, you got the reaction that you did. But, um, but yeah, I, 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 I know exactly what you're saying. You know, I, I didn't start out as uh, a Lego photographer. You know, I used to shoot all sorts of toys, but I had the same experience you did where if, you know, Lego got, you know, if I posted a Lego photo, it got it, you know, 10 times the engagement of any of my other shots. And it's amazing what that does to you as a, as a creative, as a photographer, you know, as just a, a hobbyist doing this for, for the pure love and, and joy of it. it. It kind of, it makes you feel that you have to kind of go that route. Well, this is what I'm, this is what people are liking. This is what people are commenting on. I need to do more of that. Right. And, right. You know, it, it kind of dilutes your, you know, whatever, like your ability to do just what you want. And I really, I admire, you know, you for being able to break out of that. Um, Hugh Hughes is another one. You know, mm -hmm. I, I really admire him just posting like saying, hey, you know, I've been doing this Lego thing for a while and now I'm going to start doing other things. And and anyone else that that just has that, they've retained that that freedom and that independence to post what they want. Like I, I need to get back to that. And it's, you know, it's so stupid to feel pressure from from social media and, and from Instagram and, and all of this that to do to stick with one thing or, or you know, or just do something because that's going to get you the, the likes. Like I, I need to shake shake that off. And I'm still struggling with like mm -hmm. it, I have this this one photo of BB-8 that I'm dying to share. And I just keep like I'm like, when do I post it? Do I post <laughs> it now? Like um uh, uh, I'm going to get to it because I didn't, I don't have, um, you know, it wasn't just all Lego photos that I came home from Galaxy's Edge with. So I only have a few more of those before I need to start looking at uh, some of the other things I did. But yeah, and that, that idea of like, when should I post this is another thing I really struggle with. And, and I've written about this and I think I've talked about it before on the show, but, but I have this anxiety about like the right time to post a photo or posting a photo for a reason or like I said earlier, like the randomness of my feed, like I don't want to post a Star Wars shot one day and then some unconnected, like just a, a regular Lego shot the other day. And then, you know, a Ninja Turtle shot that like, I just, I don't like doing that create like for some reason, but that's how I shoot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like usually when I'm shooting, I just come up with ideas and I'll do an action figure thing one time and a Lego thing the next time. And I just kind of bounce back and forth. 
and and I really like that creative energy, but when it comes to actually releasing my work, I really stress about it for some reason, and I worry about which day is the best day to post, which time on that day is the best time to post, and, I, and I'll kind of look at other people who have recently just posted something and, and I shouldn't do this cause it's, it's stupid and it doesn't mean anything, but I'll look at like how many likes that photo has. I'm like, okay, well they posted this 20 minutes ago and it already has this many likes. So people must be on Instagram right now. This must be a good time for me to post. Like, it's just, I get in my head about when I should be doing this instead of just doing it for the sake of it or doing it because I want to, it's the, the algorithm of it all and, and the, the pressure sure. of social media has really corrupted that, that part of the experience for me, at least. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, you made two good points. I want to take them one at a time. One was you're talking about like you know having some kind of cohesive connection from one shot to the next. I'm going to tell you now as a fan, as someone who, who browses your work on Instagram, it, that connection isn't uh, is important to me. Like when I'm looking at your feet, because mm-hmm. I, you know, you posted the, the, you know, the the photo that you said was a throwaway. It was an awesome shot. I, you know, I didn't think, oh no, he posted like a Star Wars sh- photo the day before. This sucks. <laughs> I'm gonna like, you know, I hate this. So I'm gonna send him hate mail. Like, I, to me, when I'm on Instagram, I'm just I'm looking for that awesomeness. I'm looking for that inspiration. I'm I'm looking for uh, those photos that make me smile or make me wonder, like, how did people put pull this off? And I'm not thinking, you know, is this is you know, is James consistent? Is he posting, you know, (laughs) one thing to the next because I can't enjoy, I can't enjoy that kind of content. (laughs) Yeah. When's the last time he posted something? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say it's, it's funny because yeah, I stress about it, but I never, ever, ever consider that with other photographers. I never care about what other people's patterns are. I never care about what toys they might, might or not be shooting, you know, together. And for some reason I've, I put that pressure on myself, even though I never consider that when looking at other people's work. And, and usually when I'm going through the Instagram feed, I'm not even looking at who took the photo. I'm looking at the photo first. And if I like the photo, you know, I'll like it and I'll kind of see who took it. Sometimes you can just tell based on somebody's style or if you've been following them for a long time, but usually I don't really know who I'm looking at until like I kind of stop and look at the photo. So it's funny that I stress about all of this stuff, even though my own experience on the app should make all of those points moot. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it doesn't make sense. I should stress about it. No. And again, that, I'm, I'm saying that as a fan, as a, you know, a follower, but then I totally get it when I'm the one posting, I'm thinking those same exact things, hmm. you know, especially you had given me even more of a complex about it when we did our interview and you say <laughs> how you like that. I, I did a, a spend a couple of days on a theme and then move to something else. And I'm like, wait, do I do that? <laughs> like, you know, so now I, I think about that. I'm like, okay, you know, like I, I'll shoot a couple Ghostbusters shots and then I'll move on to something else. I can't go back to Ghostbusters because I just, you know, I did it a couple of days ago. Now I, you know, I, so again, it, it's funny. I guess something I need to do uh, to my, uh, myself is really think of more of a fan of, of, all the the awesome toy photographers out there and think about what they're doing with their work and how I'm enjoying it and try to keep that in mind when I'm posting it, uh, posting my own photos again, stuff that's much easier said than done. But again, you know, the, you, you going and incorporating more action figures, uh, Hugh doing the same thing. That's really, those are good role models to follow. And, um, <laughs> you know, and I, I need to, I need to just start doing that myself. But, uh, again, like, if I'm still like, I, I just need to get over this, this hump. 
Yeah, it's it's so it's it's hard to to get over it, and especially because when you when you talk about it, like you said, it just sounds stupid coming out of my mouth, and and I know rationally that I shouldn't feel like this, but social media has just done this to us as a society. I think that it just it's really kind of warped our perspective on on how to do this, and it's I always think about social media and art and myself as an artist and and how I view social media. Like, is my Instagram feed where I consider my like quote-unquote final work or or my portfolio or or is this just a a fun app where I post my photos and and give people updates about what I'm working on and stuff like why do I put so much importance on Instagram as an artist and as as you know somebody who does want to get my work seen and someday would like to like do some work in the toy field and stuff like that you know it's it's this weird thing that I I can never quite put into words but it's just I always kind of wonder what social media has done to us as artists and what that does to us as far as releasing work and, and how do we how do we how do we juggle that i'm not sure yeah i'm not sure either i i feel like it's definitely it's a double-edged sword because you know before th- things like this existed you know getting your your photo scene you know how did you even go about that how did you how did you find other people that were that were posting photos that you know were, were along the you know uh met with your interests and, and stuff like that. But right. then now that we're here in this world, it's, yeah, it's, it, it really, you know, it, it can limit you and can stifle you from doing, just having pure fun and doing exactly what you want to do and, and seeing those stupid numbers, the, your follower count and the likes and the, the, the comments. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I appreciate Every, all of those likes and all of those comments, yeah, yeah, but of course. but but having that being the the draw and the drug for you is, is terrible, and it it can it can do terrible things because, like I said, there's there's you know I I took photos at Galaxy's Edge that had no toys in them, you know just photos that I really liked of, mm-hmm. of just of just the spaces and the, all the gonk droids and and the land itself, but I I only post those in my stories, which I feel I is do like the a same freer thing with stuff yeah. like that yeah. <laughs> It's so like I feel a, like it's less like real that way or less permanent for some reason. Well, because yeah, it is literally less permanent, but you know what I mean. Exactly, it's a freer space. I think that's the expectation on the stories is that people are gonna they're gonna share things there that aren't uh, as refined as what you're actually gonna post to your feed. But um, but there's a there's an Instagram account that I, I follow, Lego Data uh, Lucas. Uh, I think he's from from Poland, and mm-hmm. I really admire his feed. Because it's not so much just about the the toys that he's posting. I feel like it's it's really his personality. Like he'll post shots of himself. He'll post shots yeah. of, of him at work. And you know, I, I admire that so much because I would love to just to get ownership back of my Instagram account to the point that I could do that. You know, like hey, here's here I am at Galaxy's Edge, or you know, <laughs> this is me doing this. And I had uh, you know people that. I, I can't, you know, I can't say it, but that it wouldn't like, I wouldn't have the anxiety about it that I could just like, it's my Instagram feed. I could post all this stuff. And it's, saying it, these words out loud sounds so stupid. <laughs> you know, like I, I just want to reiterate that if anyone's listening and it sounds dumb, I get it. It is dumb, but it's, it's still something I'm, I'm struggling with and then trying to, to, to find a way to, to kind of, um, I guess, yeah, just that, just take back ownership and, and have it just be my account to do whatever I want with. Yeah, I always struggle with that a little bit too, like showing 
myself or, or letting my personality in a little bit more than than just my work and letting my work speak for itself and and yeah i love um lucas's work as well and and how he does incorporate himself and yeah he'll post a selfie with himself in a new lego set you know or and then he'll the next photo is that lego set him photographing it and stuff it's just i i always admire what he's able to do with his page and and it's just funny that that we're in this place where we are looking at other people and saying, okay, how do they do it? And how could I do that for myself? And and just kind of juggling those things. It it is a kind of interesting place for us to be in and and something that I, I agree sounds stupid coming out of my mouth, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners are nodding their heads because they're probably dealing with social anxiety as well. Yeah. Maybe we need to figure out a way to have kind of this a therapy session where yeah. we could all like, hi, my name's Alan. I do stupid things on Instagram because I have <laughs> dumb anxiety. But it's amazing. Like we can appreciate someone like Lucas who does these things. And why can't we do it on, on them ourselves? Yeah, it's this weird double standard or, or you know, I, I know that we're always, you know, you're you're you are your own worst critic. And I think that's part of it. But it is. Yeah, it is funny talking through it with you because it it makes me realize like why am i putting myself through all of this when i don't yeah. care about that with other people and totally and, yeah and and what made me think this in the first place yeah so, bring it in james let's let's hug it out yeah Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and i definitely i would love to see your bb8 shot i think you should post it i would love to see it on your instagram feed before this episode goes live on monday <laughs> no oh, no pressure monday. no pressure oh, but... <laughs> I gotta breathe. I gotta sit down. I need the paper bag, right? <laughs> right. Post the shot. You know, let's let's do that. Let's um, and it'll be interesting. So you said this episode will go live Monday, so maybe I will post it, and then um, you know, we could follow up in the conversation on the blog and uh, just online and see, you know, what what happened. You know, it's a it's a good experiment. Yeah. Because I did I I did a stupid thing and I posted a poll on Instagram, like, hey, I'm thinking about shooting some posting some non-Lego photos, uh, would you guys be okay with that? Or, you know, would anybody mind? Or I don't know what I post. Like, I'm asking permission to do it. It's right. so <laughs> ridiculous. But I, I posted the poll, and it was overwhelmingly no. Oh, wow. You know? <laughs> yeah, do not do that. Wow. I, I find that surprising because I, I just, I don't know. I assumed people would be like, yeah, man, do it, you know. But um, yeah, it is this weird thing where maybe – yeah, that's 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 surprising to me. Um, cause I've kind of dealt with similar feelings where um, I've been doing some non-toy photography stuff, which I had never done before, and I've got these photos, and it's like, what do I do with these? I don't, I don't want to put them on my Instagram feed and and totally just you know go away from the toy photo stuff and and kind of mix these two things together. It just there is that anxiety to it. So I I totally know where you're coming from there, and it's it's an interesting thing for us to try to work through and i i think doing some kind of finding some way to do it as a community and help each other through it i think would be interesting and helpful yep again hi my name is alan (laughs) and i'm an instagram addict no but it's a good point and um you know again we talked earlier about comfort zones we talked about challenging ourselves you know maybe this is just something we need to do for ourselves is, is retake regain control and it's our feed, it's our content, it's our, our you know, us, our creativity. Mm-hmm. Why can't we, we freely share it and just, you know, if people like it, they like it, they don't. Hey, you know, again, I've, I've, talking through this with you has really helped me um, thinking about how I interact with accounts on Instagram. And, you know, again, like, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, you know, you, you said you, 
you posted that shot. You were worried it didn't tie into one before. I don't mind that. I don't mind seeing Lucas's his personal stuff. I actually, you know, I feel like I have a connection to him before that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to think of that route more than than just kind of uh, worrying so much. Yeah, exactly. And putting this undue pressure on yourself for for no real reason other than just that that we're just hard on ourselves. So um, yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I would love to hear what, what our listeners think about this. And if you guys struggle with this social media anxiety as well, and, and any anything you've done to maybe overcome it, or, or any stories that you have that you'd love to share, we would definitely love to hear them and continue the conversation with you guys on the blog post at toyphotographers.com. And maybe we'll do some kind of updated or um, upcoming blog post about it or another podcast about it someday, because yep. I think it's, it's a really interesting and important topic and something that that is so just ethereal that we're, we're only kind of scratching the surface of it. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I mean, the, this our hobby is, is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable. It should not contribute negatively to your, your mental health or anything like that. So, right. yeah, um, yeah, let's let's keep the conversation going. And, uh, you know, maybe I could come back on in a couple months and you find out if I'm addicted to drugs. Like <laughs> I, I got rid of all my toys. I just couldn't hack it anymore. Right? <laughs> just got too stressed about Instagram. Yep. You never yep. posted that BB-8 shot. It's still sitting on your hard drive. <laughs> No, I, I, um, it's even closer than you think it's on my phone. Just all I have to do is tap the button. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to do some soul searching James and we'll see what <laughs> happens by the time this episode comes out. Okay. Awesome. I look forward to, to seeing whatever, whatever you do with that. And, um, yeah, but thank you so much for coming onto the, the podcast and, and doing this, especially since it was so last minute, but I, I just had such a fun time talking to you and, and I, I liked you in this kind of more grab bag random topic episode it was fun to just kind of talk through some of these things so i I would love to have you back on later and we could do something similar and just just talk about toys and talk about photography this has been so much fun yeah absolutely james thanks so much i had a blast as well and again i would encourage any listeners if if um they have any topics they would like to hear discussed on on the podcast please submit them because i would love to you know if there's anything relevant or any concerns or just to hear you know how people are dealing with their their own anxiety on on social media yeah let's let's you know let's bring those up and you know i would love to talk to you more james this was a ton of fun so thanks again for the opportunity thanks for having me on Thank you so much for listening. You can find new episodes of this podcast and daily articles on creativity and toy photography on our website, toyphotographers.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also ask that you please leave us a five-star review. That'll help spread the word about the show and help us get noticed. You can find us on Facebook at Toy Photographers and on Instagram at underscore toy photographers underscore. Music for this week's episode is courtesy of freemusicarchive.org. Our editor is Josh Kittleson. And finally, you can reach out to us with comments, concerns, recommendations, etc. at toyphotographypod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next week.